Amen. Thank you, uh, ladies. That's the Dixie Chicks, isn't that the way it is? <laughs> or Karen, whatever you want to call them. Amen. Now, if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to 1 Kings? Let me kind of give you a hint. Uh, 1 Kings is before 2 Kings. Can you handle that? It's in the Old Testament. And we're talking about today a man named Solomon. Solomon had so much going for him, and yet he became a disappointment. Whenever Scripture speaks about him, they talk about what he could have been, what he could have been. How he could have taken that nation to such stellar heights, but they began a process that began a downward movement until eventually they were destroyed by the Babylonians. And what I want us to be and listen to that is where we are in our place, in our time, and to think about the subject of Solomon and put in place what we need to place and what God is trying to say to us today. Now, uh, next week is Father's Day, so you want to remember that. And I think the average price is $3,000 for a father, so you might want to put that in and manage that. And then the next week is Gina's uh, vacation Bible school. She's in charge of that, and I hope you'll be praying for that because it's a special time in the life of our church, and I think it's a great time and great opportunity for our church. Now, uh, several years ago, uh, I was in uh, going to Thomas Hospital. When I was going to Thomas Hospital, there's a place they all, always have designated for um, uh, clergy. And so as I was uh, pulling in, going to pray with a guy who was having surgery, as I was pulling in, there was this truck that kind of pulled in front of me and got the place there that I was headed for. So I parked a few spaces behind and um, came up there, and this lady got out of the truck. And now I'm not against lady ministers. They do a good job, and I think there's a ministry that's done, especially I know of, fair hope of the lady ministers there that go and pray with people. But uh, this lady got out of that truck, had uh, short shorts on, flip-flops, and a tank top. And, you know, I kind of put it together that this may not be a clergy. (laughs) So uh, I walked up to her and I said, "Um, are you a pastor? And she said, yes, I am. And so I detected an attitude in there somewhere. And I said, well, what church are you a pastor of? And she said, I forget, and turned around and walked on into the hospital. Now, she was in a space that was not her place. Amen. Can Can you hear that? Can you hear that? Okay. Now, I should have been thinking about Amazing Grace or a song or something giving her grace. But this is what I thought of, a song by Carrie Underwood, who is not in our Baptist hymnal, by the way. But it was a song by Carrie Underwood, and she said this, I took a Louisville slugger to both headlights. I slashed a hole in all her tires. So maybe next time she'll think before she cheats. Amen. That's every. Can we have that as our special next week, and Murray, you play it, and... Well, have that. Uh, again, uh, she was in a space that was not her place. 
Now all that to say, uh, Solomon put idols in the place that only God should have occupied that space. And he's not the only one that does it. Now Solomon has some good things going for him, and the good things going for him is he had a good start to his ministry. He asked God to, as he came to be the king, uh, it was a new place for him. And he really didn't know how to handle that in the right kind of way. So he asked for God's direction. As, and this is a good place to start. Uh, um, when, I, when Susan and I found out we were going to have our first, second, and third child, children, I would pray, God, I don't know. You give, me the, give me the direction that I need to be the father that I should be to these children that are coming along behind. They're going to look for me for a lot of ways. And a lot of things that I build into their lives will be something they will try to build into their life. And so it's kind of an awesome kind of place. And so he, Solomon was very aware of the heritage that he had. And I thank God for the heritage that I've had in growing up. But as you can see that David had fought for this land and he had fought hard for the kingdom. He had brought it to the place where they were the most powerful nation in Middle Asia, in Middle Mesopotamia. And they had started out with Abraham, and he had come from Ur of the Chaldees, a bunch of shepherds. And then they were carried away to Egypt. They came out of Egypt. They were still a bunch of shepherds, and they were a bunch of farmers and shepherds when they came into the land. But God was leading them. And they went from being just a little bitty shepherd kind of country to now they were at the place where David had defeated all the enemies around him. And so he's handing Solomon, he's handing Solomon a kingdom that is ready to go up and is ready to set out there and to reach this world and to teach them about what it means to be about Jesus Christ. But he lost it. And here's where he lost it. He lost it in the fourth quarter. I think it was coming along for a while, but he lost it in the fourth quarter. And we're going to look at that in a little while. And... Um, being an Auburn fan, I know what it's like to lose in the fourth quarter. <laughs> Amen. God was teaching me this lesson in the middle. Of, we have some punt, bama, punt. I mean, you remember punt, punt, bama, punt? Yes. And the kick six. But there's too many places where Saban pulled him out in the last minute, or Coach Bryant pulled him out in the last minute, and they won the game. But Saban kind of lost it in the fourth quarter. His dad had done so much for him and left him such a precious heritage. And he took it in the wrong direction. And it was in the fourth quarter that he lost it. So in honor of God's word, if you look at 1 Kings chapter 3, we'll just leave one portion of this and, and go into it. So would you stand as we read uh, 1 Kings chapter 3. Verse 7, we'll start with verse 7. And now, Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father, in the place of David my father. And David left him a good example. David did things wrong. He murdered an adultery. That's pretty bad. But this is what David did. I was wrong. Forgive me. It didn't just stop. I was wrong. I was wrong. Forgive me. Restore unto me the joy 
of your salvation and my salvation when I had it, when I wasn't walking in the wrong direction. So they say, I am but a little child. That is, I don't know how to do things. I know not how to go out and to go out and how to come in. So uh, look at the person next to you. Do they look like they know how to come out and kind of come in? Have <laughs> you ever been to the refrigerator and say, I know I'm here for something, but I can't even remember uh, what it is? Uh, it takes privileging. I'm not sure it works, but they say it works. But anyway, you can take that. So I'm struggling here. I don't know what I, how to call a shot. And our servants amidst of the people who, has cho- who the, you have chosen, a great people, who as many as the numbers of the sands of the sea multiply. Give thy for, therefore th- thy servant an understanding heart. Now really the word there, it, it means uh, the Hebrew word, give me a listening heart. So I can hear your voice speaking to me. It's that still small voice that Elijah's talking. Giving me directions when I come to those crossroads about leading these people. Give me your understanding of that situation so that I can judge these people. That I may be discerned between good and bad. Because sometimes good looks like bad and sometimes bad looks like good. For who is able to judge this, our great people? I'm not. So I need a resource that is bigger than myself, and I need your resource, a heavenly resource, to help me to face the situations that I face. And I think we can apply that to our lives today. May God bless the reading of his word, and you may be seated. Uh, Chapter uh, 2 tells us that David passed away. And he slept with his fathers. And so there was a succession to the throne. How do you succeed a throne? Usually, uh, like uh, Saul was uh, anointed by Samuel, and the elders agreed with that. And David was anointed by the elders, and uh, they agreed with that. And they anointed him with oil. But it's a new day and a different kind of situation. So succession in this situation is not so much outside the palace, but it's inside the palace. The word Solomon means peace. And he was the second son of David and Bathsheba. But there was a fight, a struggle for the throne. And so David, uh, I mean Solomon starts his reign by killing off all those who used to be and were pushing for his throne. That's one way to deal with it. Uh, we call that in Sparrow, we got all these geese that are everywhere and we call euthanizing the geese. So he euthanized all these people who were against him. And he got rid of all those who used to be that old group. And sometimes it's best to listen to an old group because sometimes they can tell you how it shouldn't be done. Um, when Hammer Mill was taken over, this uh, by IP, guess what they did? And we were talking about that this morning from my enlightenment group who sits right over here. They're the ones who give me wisdom, and I thank God for them. And they ate a lot of biscuits this morning, by the way. So they're full of wisdom. <laughs> but they got rid of all the hammer mirror people. 
We're going to take care of you and put them in broom closets, I think, in somewhere there. And I tell you, they got rid of them, getting rid of these. And, because that's kind of the way the world does it. Um, I heard about a, um, two guys who were running from a bear, and so they both stopped, and he was putting on his running shoes. And the guy who was running with him says, you can't outrun that bear. And he said, I don't have to outrun the bear. All I got to do is outrun you. Are you there with me? So, and we're living in a kind of world that's doing that. So Solomon kind of took a quick uh, um, peel of what he was doing and where he was going. And he didn't like that. He said, maybe it's something different that I need to do. And so he, he, he married Pharaoh's daughter, which is a big deal for a little kingdom like Israel to marry Pharaoh's daughter. And he brought her to Jerusalem. But he thought, this, wow, I just feel like this is not the right direction. So if you have your Bibles, look in verse 3. And Solomon loved the Lord, and he came, God was kind of speaking to him in his heart, and and he said, um, he went to a place called Gibeah, which is kind of an out-of-the-way place. But it was kind of a place where they worshipped. And there were high places there to other gods, but there was this place that he could get along with God. And that's where he was. And he was there for a while. And he was thinking, just wanting God's direction for his life. So while he was there, God appeared to him in a dream. Verse 5, if you have your Bible. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream. And so often God uses dreams as ways to settle, uh, give people his direction. And he gave that direction to Solomon, appeared to him in a dream. He did that to um, Joseph. He also did that to Jacob. And he did that to Joseph, who was the father of Jesus, or the stepfather of Jesus. And so in verse 5, he asked him this. I told him in that dream, ask whatever you want, and I will give you. Now you think about that for a moment. Ask whatever you want, and I will give it to you. What would you say in that kind of place? I would probably say, I want to be like Tom Brady. Amen. I want to have hair like Tom Brady and be six foot four and win championship rings and uh, what would you put in that place? God, I need wisdom. I don't know how to handle the situation that I'm in. I need your wisdom. Now, for just a moment, would you bow your heads for just a moment? Maybe you're in that place right now Maybe you're in that place where you need God's wisdom. And we're told, and when we get in that place, to ask. So ask. When a place where two or three are gathered, there's always the presence of the Lord. And so it's always a good thing for you in the place where you are to ask for his wisdom. God, I need help. And not only ask him to give you what's a wise thing to do in this moment, but ask him to have the strength to do it. Because so often God tells us 
this is the direction, this is what you need to do. But then it's, I don't know if I can, you can't. You need his help to do whatever needs to be done. Fathers, we stand before you today, or we sit before you, we ask for your direction for this moment. And as we sit here, we are like Solomon. We need your direction. Not only do we need your direction, Father, but we need your strength to follow that. And may your presence be with us because we don't want to go without your presence. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Now that's not the end of the sermon, so don't get anxious. Look what God did for him if you have your Bibles. Verse 10. And the speech pleased the Lord, and Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked of yourself long life, neither hast asked riches for thyself, nor hast asked the life of thine enemies. But you have asked thyself for understanding. And behold, according to your words, I will give unto you all of those things you didn't ask for. That's God's unexpected blessing. They're the greatest place to be. You ask for this, and all of a sudden, God gives you those unexpected blessings. And you can look back and you say, wow, I don't know where this came from. I don't know how this happened. But God has given me an unexpected blessing that I didn't even ask for. This past week, uh, Susan and I were driving back from on Highway 43 and going back home, and I was I set my cruise on 80 miles an hour. I think that was pretty safe. And I just got a chocolate dip cone at Jackson at the Dairy Queen. Now they're going to have those chocolate dip cones in Dairy Queen in heaven. I've already got this guy shared that with me. But as I was cruising by at 80 miles an hour through Mount Vernon, Mount Vernon has a sign that says 55 mile an hour here. 75 mile an hour here. It's just a quick change. And so as we were riding along, I saw him out of the corner of my eye. And as I came past him, he turned on those blue lights. Have any of you ever been there? That's a humble place to be when you, hopefully he'll pass me and go around there and go somewhere else, you know. But he didn't. So I turned off on the side of the road and, um, Gave him my license, and he went back into his car. And when he went back into his car, um, it took him a long time, a really long time. And I was getting out pictures of our children and grandchildren and all those kind of things and saying, I'm interim pastor at First Baptist Church in Selma. He didn't seem to be impressed by that at all. So um, he said, Mr. Henry, you knew you were doing 80 miles an hour in a 55-mile-an-hour zone. And usually they kind of come and ask you, do you know why I stopped you? You know, and they want you to confess before they give you whatever it is they give you. And he says, okay, you were, you were speeding, and uh, I was going to give you a ticket, but my, uh, 
my computer broke in my car and I cannot print out this ticket. And I said, oh, that's a real shame. I'm really sorry about that. <laughs> so he says, I'm going to let you go. Yes, and Susan and I are saying, hallelujah, hallelujah. And an unexpected blessing. And they show up in different places. It may be when your grandchildren hug you and say, I love you, granddaddy. Or it may be that we were just thinking about you and here's what we thought about you and we want to have this. That was unexpected blessing. Solomon was in that place of not only asking for insight of what to do, but he also, God threw in some unexpected blessings. That place of blessing is a very special place. Guard that with everything you have and don't leave that place of blessing. Now turn with me to chapter 9 of 1 Kings and let's look at another side of Solomon. Solomon dedicated the temple. Now they wouldn't let uh, David dedicate the temple because he had too much blood on his hands. But Solomon took up what his father didn't finish and he knew that God had kind of designated him to finish that. And so he built the temple and that was a beautiful temple, one of the wonders of the world. The Babylonians came and destroyed it, but then they rebuilt it back in Jesus' day in Herod's temple. But he built the temple and took him seven years, and then he stood before that temple, and it was a great day as he walked into the temple, gave this long prayer, which really came from his heart. And so God appeared to him for the second time. And if you have your Bibles, Genesis, uh, 1 Kings chapter 9. Verse 1, and it came to pass when Solomon had finished the building of his house of the Lord and the king's house. It took him seven years to build the temple and it took 14 years for him to build his house. So both of those were kind of uh, tremendous building. And then God appeared to him again. Verse 6. Then I will establish your throne of your kingdom upon Israel forever. As I promised to David thy father. And so that promise goes down from one generation to another generation. Thou shalt not fail thee a man upon this. Or I'll give him a heritage that will just blow his mind. But if. And here's that but if. But if you shall all turn from following me. You or your children will not keep the commandments. It will go down to one from one generation to another generation. I have set before you to go and serve. I will set set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them. Then shall I cut off Israel out of the land which I have given thee. It's a yes and no moment. Say yes, but also learn to say no. Say yes to this, but say no to this. Jesus began his ministry by saying no, no, no. It's a good time to say no. It's a good thing to say no to telemarketers. Amen? Would you agree with that? <coughs> Saying no to the wrong things is a good thing, and sometimes we have to learn that. Saying yes to the right things is sometimes a very hard thing to do. 
But when you say yes and when you say no, and the things you and I say yes and no to will have an effect not only upon our lives, but generations that will follow. Solomon began to say yes to the idols and no to God, and he paid a tremendous price. The price he paid for is it went down to generations and generations after him. What they could have had and what they could have done with the Lord was set in the wrong kind of place in the wrong kind of pattern. And it was set by a man who should have had everything and should have listened to God to go in the right place. Now, turn with me again. God does a hard, hard um, verse, uh, chapter 11. God does a hard conversation with Solomon. Sometimes God does a hard conversation with us. He has to get our attention. And those difficult conversations, I don't know if you've ever had a hard conversation with a teenager. They are hard conversations. And um, a counselor talks about how his, this couple, uh, their daughter went to college and got into the scene where she was partying and she was doing all the party kind of things in the drugs and all that led to lying to them. And they said after a while, we, we, we can't take this. This has got to change. And we can keep on supporting you where you are and the lifestyle that you're having, or we can write you a text, or we can leave those things that you often leave behind that will try to change their mind. But we can't keep going like this. And you can't keep going like this. I'm afraid of where you will end up if you keep going in this lifestyle you're going. So they did something that really was hard for them to do. They said, you're going to have to move out of the house. And we're not going to support you. And you're on your own. That was a hard conversation. But so much was at stake. And she told them how horrible they were as parents. And she attacked them and all this. But they kicked her out of the house. And she went from couch to couch to couch for about two months. But then she came back to her parents and said, I was wrong. She got back into finding the Lord and she changed her lifestyle. But it took a hard conversation to change and a lot of courage on her parents' part to confront her with the direction that she was going. God has a hard conversation here with Solomon. If you have your Bibles, look in verse 1 of chapter 11. Sometimes I read about these. These are so difficult for me because I've seen this before repeated so many times in church members' lives. And all of those outside the church, but those inside the church, Verse 1, King Solomon loved many foreign women, and God had told him not to do that. In addition to the daughter of Pharaoh, and that was the first one. It always starts with the first one. 
And then it kind of goes downhill. Started with Pharaoh. Then he found women of the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Edomites, the Sidonians, the Hittites, the websites, the birth sites, the whatever, the termites, and all these other guys that are in there. He never saw a woman he didn't want to marry. Kind of like Taylor Swift with her boyfriends. I don't know if she's got 700, but she's got, got a bunch of them. Elizabeth Taylor, do you know Elizabeth Taylor had something like eight husbands? And she had hip surgery. And the reason is she wore a hip going down the aisle. Amen? She just, I wonder if she remembered their names. I would just kind of call them all baby, I reckon, after a while. It's amazing how people can be obsessed with something and they don't even realize they're obsessed with it. I mean, Solomon, listen, real, 700 women, Solomon, 300 concubines, one little boy said porcupines, 700 wives and 300 porcupines. And this wasn't a sexual kind of thing. What it was was all the kings around him had harems. So he wanted a harem like everybody And he became obsessed with put in place that space that only God should have been in that space. And he drifts away. Now look and see where it happened in verse 4. For it came to pass. When did it come to pass? Look at your verse. When did it come to pass? When he was old. Okay? Now, look at the person next to you. Do they look old? Do they look like they're old? Are they getting there? Uh, I think the, another word for that is vintaged. If you're vintaged. You'd think that would happen first, second, maybe third part of his life, but it happened in the fourth quarter. But Solomon said, I'm going to do what I want to do. It's not right, Solomon. It is not right, Solomon. But he kind of shook his fist in God's face and said, I don't care. I'm going to do this anyway. Verse 9, if you want to make God angry, this is what makes God angry. And the Lord was angry with Solomon. And he took a Louisville slugger to both headlights. You know where he hit him hardest? In the generations that followed him. That's our most vulnerable place. In the generations that followed. They drifted further and further away from God until God finally brought judgment upon them. Uh, my mother was a southern girl who could cook anything. I mean, cook anything, cook around here. My mom could cook it beans and butter beans and peas and whatever you want to cook. She could cook it. Uh, but we went down to the beach and we bought a bunch of crabs or we collected a bunch of crabs. And mama never looked and never knew how to cook crabs. She didn't grow up. And I ain't crabs around here. I don't know. Of. But uh, so we brought all those crabs to mama. Mama turned the pot on and boiled, it was boiling. She threw those crabs in the pot and boom, they went all around that room. We were chasing crabs for the next three days, pulling them around and putting them in that pot. 
but uh, so Mama learned from that. She looked at a looked at a recipe book. Mama never looked at a recipe book, but it says you to put them in there and then boil it, and you'll cook those crabs. Uh, Satan does the same thing. Gradually, kind of turns it up. Gradually, kind of turns it up. Violate this. Stay away from home. Not go to church here, not go to church there. And then after a while, your heart becomes so hardened that you don't even care anymore. It's a gradual kind of thing that hurts deeply and leaves this judgmental strength. And a Louisville slugger comes to both headlights. And another generation says, if Mama didn't do it, or Daddy didn't do it. And I don't have to do it. And it filters down kind of gradually. Now, when I was uh, with the seniors, and they were graduate, uh, graduate seniors when we had a little deal with them in the Maverick class, I told them about a lieutenant in World War II, and he was in Bastogne, and Bastogne talked about that a couple of weeks ago, was at the place of the Battle of the Bulge. And, and it was a cold, cold place, and they sent his platoon out on a kind of searching or searching find about what, where's the enemy lines, where are they? And so it it started snowing as they were went going out to find, and they found out where these lines were, and they started back. And when they started back, all the snow had been covering all their location spots where they knew that the minefield was. And so this lieutenant says, I think I know where the minefields are. I think I know how we can get through this minefield. And he said, you follow in my set foot. Follow in my footprint. And he took them through that minefield. And as he took them through that minefield, they all stepped right in his footprint. So he took them and led them through that minefield. As they followed in his steps, they got through that minefield. And I'm on, I thought about our song that we're going to sing today. Footprints of Jesus that make the pathway glow. We will follow the steps of Jesus wherever they go. And if you and I are going to make it through this minefield of life, we've got to follow in Jesus' steps. A pattern he has set for us. If we're going to hand down to another generation able to meet whatever they have to meet and it's going to be harder then we need to give an example of somebody and some example in the middle of this world who follows in the footprints of Jesus amen you with me okay let's bow our heads for just a moment and it'll be a time of decision a decision that needs to be made for each one of us. And maybe, you know what, Solomon, the, the heart of Solomon is he never said, God, I was wrong. God, I was wrong. David said that. But Solomon never did. He never asked for forgiveness. Never did he ask for forgiveness. So maybe you're here today and you need to say, God, forgive me for those wrong steps I took. Help me to be in the pathway that you would have me to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
Now, a hymn of invitation, and I'll be down front, is 437, wherever he leads, I'll go. Would you stand? Jeff comes to lead.